<clears throat> if you would please stand as we re read and declare the word of God together. We will be reading from 2 Timothy 3, verses 1, and the first part of verse 2. If you will join us. But I know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves. If you would, please bow your heads and close your eyes. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, for your sweet, sweet presence here today. I thank you, Father. Lord, you're so worthy to be praised. I love you, Father God. Lord, I just lift up today, Father God. I lift up the service today, Father Lord. I just lift up everyone that's not here, Father Lord, with sickness, when they're in the traveling, Father Lord. I ask you for your, your mercy and your grace, and Lord, just to cover them in the blood of Jesus, Father. But Lord, I ask, Lord, that this message will go forth in the mighty name of Jesus. <clears throat> Father God, Lord, as the word you put deep inside Ben's heart, Father, Lord, I thank you for that. But I ask you, Holy Spirit, have your way. Consume Ben with your fire. Every word that he speaks is from you, Lord. Yes, and I just say, Father God, Lord, that every person here and every person in online, under the sound of my voice, I speak right now that spiritual ears are open. Yes. Spiritual eyes are open. Amen. And our heart is ready to receive the word today, Father God. And I thank you, Jesus. I praise you, God, for all that you continue to do, Father God. Lord, we love you, Jesus. This house is a house filled with your presence. Yes. And we thank you, we feel you, we love you. Yes. And Lord, we say, do what you do and have your, and have way. your way. In the mighty name of Jesus. Jesus. And we all say, amen. And amen. Please be seated. Amen. This particular, well, verse and a half, prefaces the uh, prefaces today's message but I want you to take a look at this because this word perilous which I've shared before is only two times in the New Testament perilous that particular Greek word is what also described the man that had the multitude of demon legion as he came forward this is that same word that's used here in this particular verse by Paul to his spiritual son Timothy and I will unfortunately I will have to say that it seems that we are in perilous times and they're continuing to be more perilous as the days go by mm -hmm. um, as I've been preaching on this for the second time I haven't done a whole lot of uh, repetition on particular uh, scriptures, but as the Lord leads me back into these seven letters, it's so important to understand that today in the church that we're going to speak about in Sardis, the issue was these people were lovers of themselves. <clears throat> and uh, I know that very often I get some grief from individuals about being too harsh in my preaching. Um, Turn your mic on, love. Too harsh in my preaching, but I want you to understand that every single day yes, God. my heart breaks more and more 
not for the world. The world's going to do what it's going to do, but for the church. Yes. For those that say they are followers and worshipers of Jesus Christ, those that say they deny themselves, pick up their cross and follow him, those that say that, my heart breaks more and more every single day for those individuals. And we're going to look at some scriptures here today, and I'm going to let you understand as we speak of this church in Sardis how much it grieved me this week. I put it off all week long. I'm like, I don't want to study this. I don't want to get into this. I don't want to. You know, my spiritual daughter came by and visited, and she's like, what's wrong? I said, I'm grieved. She goes, oh, what's wrong? No, what's wrong? She said, no, I'm grieved over the church. And this is all day, every single day. It, it's, it, it's, it's like the, a sickness has come over. And I'm just like, God, will relieve me? He goes, no, you need to feel how I feel. You need to have some of this to be as passionate as I was. When I walked this earth as passionate and as compassionate and as loving about preaching the truth. This morning, Leslie's you know, given me a sort of a prophetic word that it's just going to go deeper. It's going to go deeper. And I shared her with her. Something that was hard to hear. It was hard to hear from the Lord. He says, you're going to go deeper. You're going to be more truthful. And more people are going to hate you. Nobody wants to be hated. But I'm not here to serve man. I'm here to serve him. Amen. Come on. And I'm not going to flee from that assignment. Amen. I spent my whole life running from Jesus. Thank you, Father. I spent my whole life denying him. I spent my whole life saying, I was saved when I was seven years old. I'm good to go. I can keep doing what I want to do. And I was this dead church for many, many, many years. I was that. So you guys are going to have to bear with me as I continue in these messages. And I want you to understand your flesh is not going to like these things. Last, last week, I, 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 I threw away the scalpel and I pulled out the chainsaw. And it's just going to keep getting more and more. Come on. Because of the state of his bride, yes. there's, there's a responsibility for every single one of us. Come on. Yes. We got the brides out there that are wearing the fishnet stockings Come on. and the torn up, tattered and the, I guess the, these bachelorette party dresses waiting for Jesus. Oh, and that's not what we were called to do. No. And I understand. Some of you aren't going to like it. None of you guys sitting here. I'm just talking to those guys <laughs> at home right now. <laughs> but I want you to understand that this grieves me. There's a death in his body right now that's going on. There is a, in name alone, that there's a church. But truly, they're just a tombstone in the cemetery. That's right. Come on. And I understand, I've explained this, that this, most churches are just a country club with a cross out in the front Amen. yard. Come on. Amen. But I'm going to go a little deeper. They're just a tombstone. Yes. 
of their former self. And it's because they become lovers of themselves yes, that things have happened. Come on, yes. So if you would, please, we're going to go to this letter in Revelation 3, 1 through 6, if you would turn there with me, please. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Mm. That right there ought to make you cry. Yes. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. They're on the cusp of rotting. They're on the cusp of being no more. They're on the cusp of being rotten in the grave. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes Come on. shall be clothed in white garments and I will this is one of the scariest verses in the Bible I will not blot, blot out his name from the book of life for I will confess his name before my father and before his angels he who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches now, we're going to break down each one of these particular verses. I want you to see. Now, with the Sardis, you have to understand the history of Sardis. One, it's very obvious that Jesus did come because Sardis doesn't exist anymore. All it is is a bunch of ruins. There's a village nearby. And that's true about most of these churches that are here that are spoken about in these seven letters. They must not have listened. Now, I'm going to ask you a question if you received a letter from Jesus himself addressed to you, would you obey it? Yes or no? Well, I'm going to tell you, he has written a letter to you. Come on. This is his letter to you. And I'm going to ask you all a question that's very important about being live versus being dead, about being cold or hot and not lukewarm, about being a non-corrupt, don't put up with sin kind of Ecclesia, are you obeying his letter? Mm. Are you obeying his letter? Because I'm going to let you know, each one of these letters that went out were denied. They did not listen. They did not adhere to what he said and what happened. They do not exist any longer. You have a letter in your hand. He who has the seven spirits of God. We're going to cover that in Isaiah 11 too. I wanted to go into that in the end of the 
in, end of the message, but God said, no, you're going to start off with that. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Who am I to say what to do, right? Come on. And the seven stars, I know your works. They had works, man. They were out on the street. They were handing out uh, dollar hamburgers to the homeless, right? Mm -hmm. They were down at the soup kitchen. They were, they were pouring them bowls in there. They were doing all of these things. They were giving their tithe. They were doing the things that they thought they had to do. However, you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. The question here is, is the church more concerned with boasting its own image than God's? Because that's a, that's a problem, isn't it? Yeah, yes. And, there, and there's nothing wrong with outreach. There's nothing wrong with doing all those things. It's not, nothing wrong with bringing in some guest speaker. We're going to get this big guest speaker in here so everybody in town starts coming to our church, right? <laughs> oh, let's bring a prophet because the whole town will come for prophecy. And I want to make sure that prophet preaches only prosperity when he's up there. Ooh. That's what's happening. Yeah. We see that. That's why I don't go to I get invitations all the time, but I don't go to those things because it ain't about what God's doing in the church. It's about them. Come on. Amen. It's about them. They're boasting their own image, and they're not boasting God's image. The God's image of the church. We have people that will show up and like, this is, this is all the people that you have in this church? Yeah, we're full of saints. Well, i got to have a bigger church than this. You don't have a children's ministry? You don't have a rock and roll band to play his music? No, we're here doing God's work. There's plenty, there's plenty of those out there. There's plenty of those out there. If you're looking for a program, you ain't looking for the Holy Spirit. You're looking for something that satisfies you. And that's why so many churches are dead churches today. Let's go to 1 John 3, 4 through 9. One of the problems and that starts, the initial thing that starts a dead church is the minister, the pastor, the priest, whatever, whatever that guy with the collar wants to call Amen. himself. When he says it's okay to sin, I'm a man of God and I say that that sin doesn't, look at the Methodist church today. You follow that at all. It's split in half because half the Methodist church wants sin and the other half of the church, well, we don't want that sin, but we do want this sin. That's a problem, isn't it? That's what's going on right now in our midst. Here we are in 1 John 3, 4 through 9, and it says, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawless. What does Jesus say? He says, away from me, I know you not, you workers of iniquity, iniquity or lawlessness, depending. It's the same thing. The, the, the denial that his commandments, the denial of his teaching, the denial of what he says that we need to do in our lives is what's making churches dead today. Mm. Verse 5. And you know that he was manifest to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Now, all those grace doctrine people, they start at, they stop at verse 5. Because, hey, man, I'm saved. i got no sin in me. It says if you say you're a sinner, you're, a, you're not a sinner. What are you? A liar. a liar. That's what it says. So don't get caught up in the single verse that you like to memorize. Look at the whole. Look at the context of the word. Whoever abides in him does not sin. 
Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Now, I want to make sure that everybody understands this right now. He's talking about practicing sin. He's talking about participating in something you know is wrong day after day after day after day. He's not talking about uh, that gun safe smashes your toe and you say a bad word that one time. He's not talking about that. He's now I don't recommend doing that. Well, Pastor said, I stubbed my toe. I can talk any way I want to. No, I'm not saying that. Why? Because when we do those things, we open doors to demonic activity yes. into our life. Right. We open ourselves up to those things because the demons that are watching you saying, now we know what gets them. If we keep pushing those buttons, we can get them into practicing that sin Come on. rather than just slipping. When you slip, you get up. Come on. When you slip, you say, Daddy, Abba, I'm in trouble. I need your yes. help. I need your grace. Yes. What's grace for? Grace is to come against temptation. Come grace on. is to come against Satan. Grace yes. is to live righteously like Christ, not to give you a covering to keep on sinning. We can go to Romans chapter 6, verse 1, and also again in chapter and verse 15, and it says, Do we sin so grace abound? It says, God forbid. Verse 7, little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. You mean I got to do something? I thought everything happened. Everything happened up here. You better believe everything happened up here. It paid for your sins. Not so you can keep sinning, but they give you the strength to keep from sinning. And you live righteously like him. What does he say? If you love me, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Come on. Why do you think those things happen? Because he doesn't want the church to die. Come on. You ever woke up in the morning and your arms are asleep, you can't feel it? Yes. We need every part of the body. Yes, come on. You're going to have to pay attention because it sounds like I'm being negative right now, and I am, but I'm going to give you the antidote to this in the end. Come on. So pay attention. Stay with me. So we have to practice righteousness, right? Yes. Ben must practice righteousness just as he is righteous. For me, too. My title doesn't give me a golden ticket. Come on. He who sins is of the devil. What? <laughs> Wait a second. He who sins is of the devil. So if you're practicing sin, you are of who? The devil. What does Jesus say to them? Your father is who you listen to. Your father is Satan. He's been a murderer since the beginning. Here it is repeated. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Guys, I want to make sure you understand something. The devil doesn't need any help. Come on, does everybody understand what I'm saying? That's like, well, well I think I'm going to go ahead and do this today. The devil doesn't need your help. Right. You don't need to be doing those things. You need to live righteously. You need to live as he says right here. Remember, I told you this is a letter to Jesus from Jesus to you, right? right. 
This is his commandment. This is his statute. This is his teachings right here. And I, don't, I understand, well, uh, this, this right here kind of represents the old covenant. I really don't want to hear this anymore. Well, um, uh, everything before Matthew, we don't really need to know that. we got preachers out there, big preachers, preaching. Amen. You do not need to read the Old Testament. Amen. He, they're preaching that right now. One of them is Creflo Dollar, by the way. And this is going to be a new season of calling a spade a spade. And I'm not being racist there. I'm saying I'm going to call these things out. That's what we are called to do. Not to be part of darkness, but to expose them. And all of these people out there that say, well, there's no such thing as a ministry of exposure. The Word of God says to expose those things. But I want to make sure something's clear. If you're practicing it like it says, you need to get that plank out yes. before you help get the splinter out. Yes. Right? We cannot lord over people from our own emotions. That's right. That's what Jesus is talking about when he says, judge not lest you be judged. He's saying, mm, 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 look at her. <laughs> I, just, I, just don't, I just don't think that's right. I feel, ah, come on. I feel, come on. I feel, right? If it lines up with the Word of God, you don't need to be doing it. And if you're not doing it, and God's taking those demonic spirits out of your life, then you need to help somebody get those out of their life, yes. too. And don't just become just... I see, man, this drives me nuts. All of a sudden, the deliverance ministry is hot and heavy. you got these guys out there with 10,000, 100,000 followers, and every tiny little church in the world goes... Maybe I can get followers too if I start casting out demons. You are, man, I tell you what, get your church in order, get your family in order. Because I'm going to tell you, you're going to run into a demon that's going to look at you and say, Paul, I know his name. Jesus, I know he is, but I don't know you. Come on. And what is that? What happened to the seven sons of Stephen? Skiva, they got their butts kicked and handed to them. They ran out of the house naked because they thought they could do what God says to do, living the lifestyles they were living. Come on. You cannot do these things as a dead church. You cannot do these things as a compromising church. Come on. The reason that we're preaching these things and teaching these things is so we can rise up an army that is equipped. Yes. Not weak. Come on. No milk, <laughs> meat. Let's go back to the scripture. Hey, yeah. Come on. We're still in First John. <laughs> this is your first time. I'm, I'm on the first verse, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> You've been preaching for 25 minutes. He's on the first verse. <laughs> I, I suggest if you come again. Come on. If you come again, eat breakfast. <laughs> it's going to be a while. Verse 9. Whoever has been born of God does not practice sin. Yes. Amen. Amen. Why? For his seed remains in him. Man. And he cannot sin because he has been born of God. God. There's a seed planted in you. The Word of God says it's a different seed for each one of us because He has a purpose and a plan. But that seed must die, right? In order for it to grow, every yes. seed must die. You can't put it in there and dig it up the next day and say, oh, put it back in there. Oh, put it back in there. 
transplanted all over the place. That's another problem. We got we got people changing church and churches like they change their underwear. Well, I don't really like what he's saying. I don't like he's. Why do you think your roots aren't growing? Why don't you think you're going deeper? Because you are transplanting yourself every other day. Find a home church and get planted. Come on. Get planted. Why? Truth. Why? Because there's death in the church. There's death in the church. Man. There's death in there. Come on. The reason that they are dead is because they don't know this scripture in Sardis. They don't understand. They can't just sit there and do nothing. They don't understand these things. They don't understand that putting up with sin inside of the church is what's killing them. They got a name. They got a cross out front. Hey, we, we stand for Jesus. And they got all of these idolaters walking by. I don't want nothing to do with that, Jesus, because I see how dead you are. I see how weak you are. I see what you're part of. I'm going to go over here and keep up doing what I'm doing. Why do you think people aren't flocking to the church these days? Was it 54%? They say by the year 2056 or something, we're going to be in the minority. The minority. Why? Who wants to be like 90% of the churches out there? I can sleep in on Sunday. I can keep going out all night Saturday night. Who cares about Sunday morning? They're not any different than I am. I saw them in the bar last night too. Come on now. We are different. We're set apart. Yes. We're saints. We're to be holy. Or we're going to be a dead church. Come on. Now Jesus says, I have. he has the seven spirits of God. Let's turn to, turn to Isaiah 11, verse 2. This is Isaiah's prophecy of Jesus coming, right? Yes. Super good. Now let me give you just a, a spoiler alert. The reason that most churches are dead is because the Holy Spirit's not anywhere near them. Yeah. There's no Holy Spirit in the church. There's no Holy Spirit in the walls. Holy Spirit's sitting out on the street saying, please let me in. I can do signs, miracles, and wonders. Yes! What's going on in your church is signs, false signs, false miracles, and false wonders because I'm not in there. That's what's happening. Man. What are the seven spirits that Jesus is talking about? It says here, the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. That spirit, that's the first one. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. As we know, of course, Jesus is God in the flesh, but he shed his outward glory, right? Yes. And when he got baptized, what happened? What came down from heaven? Like a dove, not a dove. A dove didn't land on his head. It was like it fluttered down. on. A, I want to make sure everybody understands that because everybody gives you this picture of this dove landing on Jesus' <laughs> shoulder. No, it was the Holy Spirit that floated down from heaven right. and it came upon him yes. and lit him up. And it said, this is my son and who I am well pleased. And I want you to see something. As soon as Jesus got the Holy Spirit, what did the Holy Spirit have him do? Go into the wilderness and be tested. Man, some of us get filled up with the Holy Spirit. I want to just stay over here happy and go lucky. I don't want to go get tested. I want my gifts. I want the power. I want, I want, I want, I want. I'm going to tell you those things aren't going to grow unless you let the Holy Spirit take, take you through temptation, take you yes. through the fire, Come take on. you through the flood. Come on. Amen. Now, nobody likes that, no. but I'm going to tell you that's how you grow. Yes. Some of you are in a season right now because you will not let. 
I don't want to go over there. You're in that seat. You're wondering why. You wonder why your life's the way it is. You wonder why your marriage is the way it is. You're wondering why your finances are the way it is. You're wondering why your job and everything coming to you is the way it is. Because you're sitting in around that mountain for 40 years. You're just going around in circles. And I'm going to tell you, I want to make sure you understand something. Going into the wilderness is not so you can go around that mountain 40 years. Going into the wilderness is so God can burn the Egypt off of you. Yes. To Come get on. out the things that he needs removed. I got something for you to do over here, Ben. Yes. I got something big to do, but you ain't ready yet. Come on. It's just like me going to the gym the first day. Man, I go sit on the... <laughs> Man, I haven't worked out in 15 years. <laughs> oh, but I feel something, and I get at a bench press. Put 300 on it. <laughs> Are you going to lift it? Shut up. Take it all off. I'm going to start with 50. Yes. Let him build you up. Yes. Let him build you up. Get it going. We need to We need to get battled up, battle-hardened, battle-ready. Yes. But it starts at the beginning. Yeah. Yes. Letting him remove the things from your life to keep you from going into the dead mode. Come on. The Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, shall rest upon him. Mm. The Spirit of wisdom and the Spirit of understanding. The Spirit of counsel. And the spirit of might, and the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Amen. Now you can look at the back of your handout. I'm going to briefly describe what each one of these things are. And the reason that the church is dying today is first, they don't know who the Ruach Elohim is. That's the spirit. That is the breath. That is the wind. It's referred to as the Spirit of God. He is the Spirit of the Lord inspires prophets to utter their prophecy. The Spirit of the Lord moved the prophets in time and space, as in the case of Elijah. We need the Holy Spirit more in the church today than ever. Yes. The yes. reason the church is dying is because we've called the Holy Spirit an it rather than welcoming, welcoming him into the church. Come on. Oh, well, that praise and worship, it was so anointed. The hair on my arm stood up. No, that was the baseline. That wasn't the Holy Spirit. Well, man, she's got an anointed vo voice. No, she's talented. But if you go to her house, she's living in the world. They're allowing her to minister up there, and they're not looking into what she's doing. They're not vetting her, and they're saying, man, her voice is anointed. No, she's got a gift from God, but she ain't anointed because the Holy Spirit ain't on her. Man. Wisdom. I'm not going to try to say all of these words. Wisdom means wisdom, skill, experience, and shrewdness. You know what I love about that? If the Holy Spirit gives me wisdom, he gives me those things, he also gives me experience. When, when, when Peter and John went in there, they recognized them as uneducated men, did they not? When they were, they were blown away by the things that came. They're uneducated. Where did they learn these things? Why? Because the Holy Spirit gave them experience they did not deserve or earn. Amen. But you've got to let the Holy Spirit have his way. Come on. Understanding. The spirit of understanding means comprehension, discernment. In righteous action. This is something that's missing in the church too. I go to 90% of the churches I go to or I listen to, there's zero discernment. Why do I know that? They wouldn't be letting that lady sing in the first place. 
They wouldn't be letting the people that are letting their children be taught in, in children's church in the back. They wouldn't be doing There's zero discernment. I see people coming and visiting churches. Man, I wouldn't let that guy take out my garbage, much less preach to my people. There's zero discernment in the church, and that's causing death inside of the church. The discernment we need is not from feelings, not from emotions, not yes. from thoughts, but from the Holy Spirit, the Ruach Elohim. Yes. Counsel. I love this. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of counsel. He's the one that gives advice. He's the one that gives us a plan. Yes. People call me up all the time. What should I do? First thing I ask them, have you prayed about it? Well, no, that's why I'm calling you. You're asking the wrong fella. First, first, if the Holy Spirit tells me something, I can tell you this. If you haven't prayed, if you're coming to me for counsel, you're coming to me advice, you haven't spent time on your knees, you ain't going to listen to me anyways. Amen. Now, if the Holy Spirit says, man, call Ben up, he's got the answer, you're ready. But if you come to me and I say, the Holy Spirit is telling me you need to stop doing this, you need to stop doing that, you need to stop hanging around these people, you need to stop doing this over there. That's not the answer I was looking for. <laughs> and they go right back to doing what they were doing in the That's first right. place, right? right? So who's the first person you go to when you got a problem? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Jesus Christ. He's called that too. He's called the Spirit of Truth. He's called the Spirit of Grace as well, is he not? Yes. We go to the Holy Spirit. Who does the Holy Spirit do everything for? Jesus said it in, in, in John chapter 13, 14, 15. Right in there he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Maybe 14, 15, 16. He says the Holy Spirit doesn't do anything on his own accord. He speaks for Jesus. Yes. So if you want to talk to Jesus, the Holy Spirit's the phone line. Yes. Get on your knees and ask him what the plan is. What's yes. the advice? And get ready to do something that you did not plan and that you're yes. not going to like. Because yes. I can tell you right now, he's got the right answer, but you generally are not going to like it. Yes. Amen. Come on. Obviously, Sardis didn't like it. What happened to them? They didn't like it, did they? No. Might. This is something we all want. We, and I don't really want the understanding. I don't want the wisdom. I don't want the counsel. But I want to be powerful. No, man. But he is that, right? He is the yes. spirit of might. It's denoting strength and power. The word depicts the nature of God's mighty deeds. It describes the strength of the Lord's right hand that delivers his anointing, meaning all of his powerful acts as well as his power and his might in general. What does it say? The word depicts this. The word depicts this. How are you going to know you're even listening to the Holy Spirit if you don't know your word? How many of you pick this up every single day this week? Praise God, I see some hands going up. How many of you spend time, not just reading, not a paperback novel. Oh, I'm going to read my favorite story this time. I read my Bible. No, getting into it. First, getting on your hands and your knees and praying and saying, Father God, there's two types of wisdom. There's your wisdom, which is pure love from heaven, and there's the wisdom of the world, which is demonic. I don't want my kind of wisdom. I want your wisdom. Yes. Open my spiritual ears. Open my yes. spiritual eyes to what your word says, and then you get into it, and it will blow your mind. Yes. What does it say in the Old Testament? If I told you what I was going to do, it would blow your mind. 
Get your mind blown. Get into yes. your word. Get your understanding. Get the discernment that you need because yes. this is where it is at. Amen. Guys, here in America, we don't understand how privileged we are because most of us have more than one Bible in our house. Yes. No, but we might have one. We found it this morning when we searched for, honey, where's my Bible at? <laughs> Didn't you read it yesterday? Well, uh, I finally left it on the couch. That was two months ago. And then we got another Bible. Where's it at? I don't know. Let's, let's just dust off this right here. Oh, here's another Bible. In America, we got more than one Bible. Yes. In China, they have one page. They learn it backwards and forwards, and then they destroy it or they hide it in a place. They hide it in a special place so someone else can come get that one page. Man, they're hungry and they're thirsty. Yes. And they know if they get caught with that piece of paper, they're going to jail for three years minimum in China. And we got Bibles sitting around our house that we could draw our names in in the dust because we're not getting into it. And I'm going to tell you, his counsel, his might, yes. and his knowledge, and the fear of the Lord come from this. Yes. Right. Amen. Amen. Knowledge. Knowledge meaning knowing, learning. Again, discernment. People always ask me, I need you to pray. I need you to pray for discernment over for me. I'm like, I can answer that prayer right now. Really? Get into your Bible. I wanted a different answer than that. <laughs> That's the only place discernment, spiritual discernment comes from is the Word of God. Yes. And not in your head. In your heart. Yes. That's that spirit of knowledge. Yes. It's a concept of his wisdom. And then fear of the Lord. This is the worst one right here. Fear of the Lord. There is zero fear of the Lord in most churches today. Zero fear of the Lord. And I, I know the, the English word fear, all of us like... I don't really want to be afraid of God. You better be afraid of God because the one that can kill you and send you to hell, as Jesus says, you need to be afraid of him. Literally. Because he can do those things. That's why we want to live righteously. That's why we want to please him. He says, like I shared last week, he says, Father God, the song, Jesus, all I want to do is please you. I don't want to please myself anymore. Because I can tell you right now, if I was pleasing myself, somebody else would be up here talking to you, and I'd be doing something else. Because I would be pleasing me. We can't do those anything. I have a righteous fear of the Lord. What does it say right here? It says, this fear acknowledges God's good intentions. Not what I want, but what I need. Yeah. There's a massive difference. Well, I, 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 I want this. I want $1,000 because I got $500 in bill, but I got to blow the other $500. I want that, right? What I need is $500. What I want is $1,000 so I can fill myself. There's no yes. fear in the Lord in that, in that request, is there not? Mm -hmm. It says, it will motivate and delight even the Messiah. We know that we're reading that scripture right now. This fear is produced by God's word. If you're not in your word, if you're not understanding, if you're not on your hands and knees, you're not praying for the wisdom to let him impart that into your heart, then you will not understand it, right? And it makes a person receptive to wisdom and knowledge. It is identified with wisdom. The fear of the Lord may be lost, 
by despair of one's situation or envy of a sinner's situation. Everybody get that part? We, no matter what situation we're in, no matter what valley, no matter what mountain, no matter what fire, no matter what flood we're in, we need to maintain that fear of the Lord. Because that's the time the devil comes in and says, man, you've been waiting too long on Jesus to answer that prayer. Why don't you go out and do what you want to do? Yes, that's right. Anybody done that before? Oh, yeah. Unfortunately. I've done it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Quite a few times. Yep. I've learned my lesson. This fear restrains people from sin. That's why I know that so many people do not have the fear of the Lord. They keep right on sinning and they say, grace has got me covered. I can do what I want to do, talk the way I want to do, cuss, do whatever it is that I feel like doing because Jesus already took care of it. There's zero fear of the Lord in that statement. And if they don't have the fear of the Lord, do they really truly have the Lord living inside of them? We can go back to John and we can read what he just said at 1 John a minute ago, right? That seed is not in them any longer. It helps rulers and causes just judges to act justly. I like this right here. It results in good sleep. Amen. Amen. Anybody having a hard time sleeping? It says the fear of the Lord corrects that. I need some Ambien. No, you need some Jesus. Come on. That's, that's the answer. Answer to every question is right here, baby. Every question, any thought is right here. This is what is the commandment? Remember, the commandment in Greek it means a prescription from heaven. Come on. That's what a commandment is. That's your prescription. With humility, it so leads good. to riches, honor, and life. We go to Psalms 1, verses 1 through 3, when it says when we meditate on the word day and night, it brings prosperity into our life. Yeah. And it's not just talking about the pocketbook for all those prosperity folks out there. The word also refers to the fears of briars and thorns. Mm. Anybody been in a field with a bunch of wee satch? Oh, yeah. Man, you can't get through there. I remember... Uh, I remember my uh, kayaks going through a field of wheat. We sat <laughs> a little bit younger then, weren't you? And it didn't take long, but everything on that kayak got ripped up. Man, they were just like big old. Oh man, how? How? What? Did you get a knife? No, that's just the wee sash. <laughs> and the fear of Israel that would fall on other nations. Guys, I want you to understand. If we have proper fear of the Lord, we can walk into a room and every demon will run. Yes, yes. And you understand what I'm saying? Yes, if yes. you have proper fear of the Lord, yes. if that's what he promised his chosen people, who do you think we are? Come we on. are his children. Yes. We are co-heirs in Jesus Christ. We pleaded the blood of Jesus yes. over us. By his stripes we are healed and made whole. We All of those things are taken. He sat on that cross for three hours suffering the wrath of God. And if we have fear in the God that put the wrath on his own son to pay the price for us, we can walk into a room and it happens all the time. Man, I got people and they can't make eye contact with me. Yeah. They, man, I got to go. And they just leave. Yeah. They don't even know why. Yeah. That's because the fear of the Lord is in me and those Come demons on. must flee. Come on. Must flee. Come on. Those are the seven spirits of the Lord. That's why churches are dying today. Because you can't just say, I want this one. I want might and power. I want grace. 
But I don't want wisdom. I don't want discernment. I don't want knowledge. And I definitely don't want fear. They all seven work together. Come on. So the church is more concerned with boasting its own image than God. That's what's killing the church today. Verse number two. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before the Lord. Again, there's your works. Your works is in there. We covered that a little bit last week as well. Problem is, we think that we ought to be doing something. We think, well, I'm not going to share that story because he might be watching. We think... We think that we have this ministry. Man, I want to do this. I'm going to do that. We never get on our hands and knees and make sure that's what God wants us to do. Yes. Come on. That happens all the time. Yes. I'm going to tell you, I don't know how many churches there are in t- here in town. And I can guarantee you, most of them, 90% of them started in offense rather than a calling. Wow, man. They started because they didn't like the way that preacher preached. Man, he keeps talking about my sin. I'm going to go start up my own church. Come on. Man, those first Baptists, they got it wrong. Let's go be the second Baptist. (laughs) Well, that Catholic church, that, that, mm, that priest right there, he just ain't right. Let's get a hold of the archdiocese and have them make another. I'll put it. I'll put up the funds, man. They'll start up a church like that if you give them money. That's the wrong reason to start a church, isn't it? Man, I'm telling you right now the truth. And you're saying that really happens. You better believe it happens. Does that happen in spirit-filled churches? Yes, Yes, it does. A hundred percent. I heard a story. Derek Prince shared this story. Everybody know who Derek Prince is? If you don't. One of the best Bible teachers out there. He's passed away, but you need to watch his videos, his teaching. Powerful stuff. That's my spiritual father, by the way. Come on. He was, he was sharing about Pentecostal churches, which he knows a whole lot about that because he was in there. Okay? <laughs> he said there was this, there was this a church, and a new young pastor came in, and two old ladies. They didn't really care for what he was doing. So what did they do? The one woman, she started speaking in the tongues, and the other lady interpreted what they wanted him to do. Oh, wow. You don't think that happens? Yes, it, it does happen. Man, that's it does happen. Wow, yeah. And the problem that church didn't see it is because there was no discernment in there. Yeah. Was the Holy Spirit really doing things in there? If the Holy Spirit really was doing things in there, they would have had the fear of the Lord and never done that. Yes. So I'm not just talking about the Baptists and the Catholics and the Methodists. I'm going all the way across. Holy Ghost-filled churches, too, got problems. And unless we get the Holy Spirit back in in his entirety, we are all destined to die. Man, come on. Preaching. Does this church leave Christ's agenda unfinished to pursue its own? This is something that grieves me, and I've been seeing a lot of it lately. Uh, these uh, these young and I, I love these guys. I see some young ministers out there. They man, they they're they're attracting a lot of young people, hundreds of thousands on YouTube, TikTok, all of those things. Great big deal. But problem is, they are their messages is duplicitous. Correct. They're they're teaching one thing in one sentence and they're saying something different in the next. Mm. They have their own personal agenda if they're doing those things. Right. 
I see these, I mean, especially these young deliverance ministries that are out there. I see that they praise God for deliverance. The church needs deliverance. Yes. There's most churches demons are more more comfortable than the Holy Spirit. By the way, yeah. that that means we need to get a lot of demons out of the church, right? And we do yeah. deliverance. Just I mean, uh, we so do not deliverance. Maybe, deliverance. No, no, no. I'm not knocking that. What I'm telling you is that is part of what we're supposed to do. We're going to proclaim that that verse at the end of the message. By the way. So don't, don't think I'm just like knocking these things down. What I'm trying to do is teach you we got to be all in yeah. right. or we're going to be all out. Come on. You cannot preach half a message and then preach the world in the other half. That's right. That's the problem. We're preaching our agenda rather than the Word of God. Yes. Do you think... Me preaching this message up here today is comfortable? No, it's not. It's not. Why? Because God already told me, I want to keep preaching this. I'm going to go deeper, and more people are going to hate me. He's already told me this. So what do you think my first reaction, my flesh is? You don't want to do that. Nope. You flesh, you have nothing to do with me anymore. I'm here to serve God. Yes. Period. And that's the problem. Churches have their own agenda. How can we get bigger? How many people were here? That's right. That was 42 people last Sunday, 63 this time, and they got the percentages down, and then they get the tithes, and they divide it by the amount of people, and they said we made 10.75 cents per head that came in here. You don't think it happens? That's their agenda. That's not God's agenda. Come on. I'm going to tell you, yes. if you do That's God's right. agenda, yes. he's going to keep the lights on. Yes. I don't have to post my electric bill, which is actually, I saw a pastor do this two weeks wow. ago. He posted his electric bill, and says, I need help. Brother, if you were where you needed to be, God would have supplied that in the first place. Yes! Amen! You wouldn't have had to put your electric bill out there and beg everybody to send you cash out to keep your lights on because God would have already taken care of those things. Come on! You know what happened? He got ahead of himself. Yeah, that's right. And now he's got to lean on man rather than lean on the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to tell you, when we start doing that, our message starts getting a little bit lighter. Mm. A little bit more milky. A little bit more sugary. Because I'm going to tell you, money comes with sugar. Oh, yeah. I'm going to, uh, b- believe me, money comes with sugar. And money comes with milk. But I'm going to tell you, over here in the meat section, yeah. man, I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to tear up that Angus. Because yeah. that's where God wants us. Yes. Not over here. Come on. Let's go to Luke 9, 59 through 60. Amen. <laughs> Truth telling, come on. Here Jesus talks about his someone's own agenda. We look at this at first glance and we go, and this is kind of harsh. He said then to another, follow me. He's looking at the young man. He says, follow me. But the young man, what does he say? Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Yep. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. Now we see that where it's like, man, that was, that, 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 that's kind of cruel. But Jesus is also talking about the spiritually dead here. Come on. The spiritually dead. Now I want to make sure you understand this, okay? Everybody here pretty much <clears throat> comes to this church on a regular basis here. And in, in, in Victoria, I got most of the people there that come to that church Go to in the morning. They go to every other church in town, and then they come to get fed <laughs> in the evening at, 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 at the lampstand. Okay, on, but I want I want you to understand this. The guys 
going to those other churches just to show up right. and just to say, well, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this because it's my aunt. I love her. love my Aunt Pammy. She's eight years older than me. When I was little, I remember just loving, loving her so much and hugging her. And just, man, she just, she's a special, special. She was real close in age to me, right? Yeah. But she was talking to me about her church. Okay? <clears throat> she was talking to me about her church. And I said, Pammy, that's a dead church. Mm -hmm. Well, God's got me there to try to bring it back to life. I said, no, he doesn't. He does not have you there to do that. You're staying there because of what you want, not what God wants. Amen. Oh, that's hard. I know it's hard. Is she where's she at now? She's still at that church. Pastor left. Pastor left. He was he was all kinds of uh, I don't know what cemetery he went to school at. Right. You better believe I said it that way. <laughs> But he was he was teaching a lot of things and he he was an Ahab. His wife was a Jezebel. She was running everything from behind the scenes and she was destroying everything that was going on in the church. Problem is that Jezebel spirit got all over everybody else, and now she's still there trying to fight that uphill battle. Still trying to in a Baptist church teaching that praying in tongues and the gifts are still active with people that say they're cessationists and they don't want anything to do with it. It's time to knock the sand flip-flops yes. and go to a place that feeds you. Yes. I'm going to show on. you this in just a second Come if you hold on. on, but you can see. He says, don't go back there. Yep. Don't go back there. There's nothing for you there. You need to proclaim the kingdom of God to people. You cannot proclaim the kingdom of God to a dead person. Ooh. You can pray for them. Yes. That's another problem. One of the problems in the church today is we think we're everybody's Jesus. Yeah. Well, I can do this and That's I can true. do that. I went through that. Yeah. I went through that down the street when we were at a different church. But Leslie's like, we need to get out of here. God sent me here. No, this is not right. I'm getting sick every day. No, God sent me here. I can make a difference. I can do this. I can do that. I can change them. I can pray. I, 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 I. And then finally, God got a home. Thank, praise God, He's a God that loves me, but also grabs me by the collar and says, "Wake up, Ben! Yes. It's time to move on." Because yes. if I had not listened to Him, I got a prophetic word. Got a prophetic word when I was there, fighting the good fight. I was shadow boxing every single day because I was making no difference, no dent in anybody. Somebody prophesied to me, "If you stay here, you will be spiritually dead." Wow. wow. Yeah, the last thing I wanted to hear, hear that. I, wa I wanted you to tell me that God said everything was going to change because of my effort. Everything was going to happen because I was in the mix. I wanted to hear that, not the other. Spiritually dead? Jesus says the same thing. If you go back and bury your father, you're going to be spiritually dead too. You need to get up off your spiritual couch. Get out there and start preaching and heralding the word of God. Come on. Let's go to Matthew. It's not in your notes, but Matthew 15. Matthew 15. He added this yesterday afternoon as Leslie and I were talking about the religious spirit. Come on. I'm going to give you the true definition of a religious spirit here in a moment. According Amen. to the Word of God, not according to Ben. Amen. Amen. Everybody there? Yes. Amen. Okay. I'm going to turn to it too. I don't even 
and have it marked. Matthew 15, verses 1 through 9. Then the scribes and the Pharisees, who were from Jerusalem, came to Jesus, saying, Why do your disciples transgress the traditions of the elders? I want you to just put denominational doctrines in there. Think about that. The tradition of man, right? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Jesus answered them and said, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say... Whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God. Now, I want you to stop right there and understand this. These are the Sadducees and the Pharisees, okay? They're part of the Levites. The Levites could own no property, right? They could, the only thing that they got was what was given to the church. So follow this. They were given to the church to put the money back in their own pockets. You follow what I'm saying? The only money they had, they were not supposed to own property. The tithe came in to supply the priest nation that God put into place. That's why these Levites, were any money they had, they were putting it back into the church because basically it was just like this and going right back in their pocket. Man. They were creating doctrine of man to negate the commandments of God. Amen. Man. How many of y'all seen that? Yeah. Wow. Happening today, is it not? Yes. Then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect for by your tradition. It also says, I think in Luke, I don't remember if it's in Luke 4 or Luke 7, the same particular situation is being described. And he goes, and you have many more like this. Which means this wasn't the only thing they were doing wrong. They had all kinds of doctrine of man out there that was negating the commandments of God. Hypocrites. Everybody knows what a hypocrite is, right? Yes. Well, did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. Their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandment of men. One thing that I see misused more than anything is when worldly Christians say that somebody has a religious spirit over there because the religious person, the person that has a relationship with Jesus, knows their word, says to the other person, that's not right. You've got a religious spirit on you. That's not what's happening at all. The person that has the religious spirit is the one that's saying the other person has a religious spirit. How do I know that? If you run into a Jezebel spirit, what's the first thing a Jezebel spirit, when you call a Jezebel spirit out, what is the first thing the Jezebel spirit says to you? No, you're the Jezebel spirit. You ever run into a liar? What's the first thing a liar says? Everybody's a liar. You ever run into a thief? A thief thinks everybody's a thief. Amen. You run into an adulterer, and what does that adulterer think? It's okay for everybody to cheat on their spouse. 
a person that always screams you've got a religious spirit, they're believing the doctrine of man. They are malforming. They're manipulating the scripture. They want to live a certain lifestyle. They want to do what they want to do. You have the religious spirit. No, I live by the commandments of God. I live by his word. I am perfect, but every single day I'm striving through the narrow path. You might want to call me legalistic, but I'm going to tell you, my father says if I'm not, I'm lawless. I'm going to go by this. That's what a religious spirit is. When people decided that this right here, and here's here's the telltale sign, I feel like that's just not right. I feel, I feel that. I watched some bozo the other day. Literally, these these, these two these two kids, their last name is Paul P. They're like all over Facebook and and, and, and Instagram. They were doing something stupid. They were trying to fight these baboons. It was just the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And the guy gets up on there and says, I think only sleeping with one person that Jesus wouldn't mind that if we could just do what we wanted to do. It's silly to think that these days. It's, whoa, man, cheating on people? Jesus is okay with that. Why? Because everything came from the flesh. I feel, I feel this is silly. I feel that Jesus wouldn't be that way. I feel, 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 feel. He's and he literally says Jesus in a bad word, and the and the and the guy that's interviewing is just like, oh my God, I can't believe you just said that. That's what's going on in the world today. And what happens with every kid that watch? These guys have millions of views on their garbage, right? Every kid that watches that goes, mm, he's got a million viewers. He must know what he's talking about. Guys, why do you think Jesus just said? What did he just say? Let the dead bury the dead. Let them bury their own. But you, 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 go out and preach the kingdom of God, no matter if everybody comes against you. Because if you don't do it, you too will start smelling like them. Anybody know what a dead thing smells like? Anybody walking through a field? Anybody? Not nice. Man, that's a big something dead. Yeah. You walk around the corner and you see this cow, this cow bloated up three times bigger than it is. I'm going to tell you, that dead church is bloated up and it's ready to pop. And the closer you are to those things, the more you're going to smell like it. It says perfect right here, right? I want you to understand that. It's actually on the back of this right here. Perfect, down at the bottom, last definition. It's underlined. Generally of a place or filled with something, the smell. You see that? Mm -hmm. The smell, it's underlined and highlighted. Figuratively, Jesus is talking about perfection. Guys, I don't want you to misunderstand anything. We are not perfect. We never will be. We're only righteous because of Jesus, but we have to fight every single day. That's the striving to get through that narrow path. Because wide is the path. We covered this last week. Narrow takes fighting. And every single day, we've got to work his perfection, not ours. It says right here, figuratively, to feel, supply abundantly with something, impart richly, imbue, often also with the agent of that which a person is filled or supplied, simply meaning to supply fully, completely in him. That's what he wants. 
is when somebody comes in here, they may not like it, but they say that's a Jesus church. When somebody runs into you at the Piggly Wiggly or H-E-B or Kroger or wherever you are at, when they run into you at those places right there, what's different about that person? Because if they walk away and, and they don't even, they, I don't know anything about that person. If they walk away from you and they haven't seen Jesus, what have you done? Nothing. Nothing. So does the church leave Christ's agenda unfinished to pursue their own? Number three. Verse three. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, mm. and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. And I know what we're thinking. He comes as a thief of the night. I'm going to tell you right now, he came upon them as a thief before he came as a thief of the night. He's not talking about when I come back again. He's talking about if you don't get your stuff right, if you don't get to where you were in the beginning, remember the day you got saved? Yes. It didn't matter what anybody said. You felt new. Yes. You felt recharged. You felt refreshed. Yes. You felt like a completely new creature in that moment. He says, get back to that. And if you don't feel that way, repent and get back to that. Amen. Otherwise, he will come. As a thief. Number three, are the messages from the pulpit human-centered or truth-centered? I'm going to tell you right now, going on all over town, all over this region, are expository messages. Expository messages message is to explain and to understand the Word of God, right? That's what expository means. But I'm going to let you understand something here today. If the expository message only changes your thinking and not your heart, it was worthless and it was a waste of time. Because if a message doesn't change you, there's either two problems. One, your your conscience is seared with a hot iron. Or two, the person that's preaching ought not be preaching. One of those two things is happening every single time. Because it cannot be human-centered. That's the problem with praise and worship today. Most praise and worship is about how great we are. We did this for Jesus today. We're going to do this for tomorrow. We're going to do me, 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 me. Just listen to the words of most praise and worship and you'll see that. Praise and worship is where it starts, right? Yes. That's where it starts. The problem is the Holy Spirit's like, man, I'm sick and tired of that garbage. That's a that's not a that's not a joyful noise. That's just noise. The message is plain and simple. There's no love in it, right? It's all about themselves. We gotta stop preaching about human-centered stuff. That was the problem that I spoke about with the Methodists. Half the Methodist church say it's okay to be homosexual now. They're gonna they're gonna they're going to uh, ordain. They're gonna make people. And we we saw that video in in Bible study a few weeks ago. What the Methodist church was doing that lady lady, the guy that a drag queen, Pentecost. her, her Penty, Pentecost is her name, by the way, mm-hmm. oh, in drag, teaching children, yeah. and the little girl sitting on, and you know her parents are so proud, I like your high makeup, and the pastor goes, oh, look how progressive you are, look at this little girl, how woke she is, that's what's happening, and that's why there's a split, but is the split going to change anything? I pray that something changes because the other half of them, they might not like this, but they're not dealing with their lying. 
They're not dealing with their alcohol. They're not dealing with their pills. They're not dealing with their porn. Come They're on. not dealing with those things. Well, but that seems worse than mine, not according to God. Because as I said before, it doesn't matter how big or how little the sin is. If you practice that sin, who do you serve? The devil. The devil. So where are you going to go? Yeah. There you go. Let's turn to 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. We have to understand, in order to be a live church, Come on. <laughs> we have to be a live church. Let's go to 2 Timothy. A scripture that many of you know, but let's look at it. Truth telling. I'm before service. I'm like, Father, man, you got to light me up, man. I was like feeling nauseous. I was feeling tired. I was like, man, I need to go back to bed. I said, Father, do I need to drink a cup of coffee? He goes, no, you need to lean on me, son. And I'm like, okay. This is, this is what happens when you pray for the Holy Spirit to come. Come on. Amen. And I'm going to say right now, if someone's uncomfortable, you need to get the Holy Spirit in you and get the flesh out of you. Come on. Let's go. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. Everybody needs to see this. Amen. Some scripture. No. All, all scripture. All the, the, the scripture that you're comfortable with. No. <laughs> The favorite, your favorite scripture taken out of context <laughs> doesn't say any of those things, does it? No. It says all scripture. What does that mean? It means over here. Let's go off. All. Wait a second. It says in. Let's see. What, it says in all the way to amen. 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 That's all scripture, folks. Come on. Not just the ones you like. Not just the one that you memorize. Not just the one that you learned in vacation Bible school when you were eight and a half years old. All scripture, right Come here, on. all scripture is given by inspiration of God. In some versions, it will say, breathe forth from the Holy yes. Spirit. Every single yes. word in here. Come on. And we got those folks going, well, uh, in the Council of Nicaea, they took out this over here. And I'm like, where's, the, where's Enoch? And, and where's, where's the, the, the book of Sealer? Where's all of these? Um, you can't even do this part, and you want to add something to it? Come on! What is, your, what is that argument? What is that argument? Well, we need to make more laws. In the, we need to make more laws against guns. We need to make more laws against these. We can't, well, law, creating a law did not change anything, doesn't it? It doesn't change morality. This does. Yes. This is the direction we need to go. Amen. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. The Holy Spirit, the Ruach Elohim in the Hebrew, and the Agionuma, the Holy Breath of God in the Greek, yes. and is profitable. It's the only thing that's profitable for doctrine, which also means teaching. If somebody go, you go to a Bible study and nobody opens their Bible, you need to get up and get in your car and leave. <laughs> because if they ain't teaching from this, what are they teaching from? That's right. This right here is the only thing profitable for doctrine. Yes. Well, well, we got the doctrine, the creed, posted up at the at, on the Man. wall at our church. You're telling me the whole Bible is in that creed? 
Well, of course not. It's just what we agreed upon for this church. That's what denominational doctrines and creeds are. It says right here that all Scripture is profitable for teaching and doctrine, for reproof, and for correction. That's like two two corrections back to back there. That's right. And you know what that reproof means? Reproof sometimes, it's a hammer. And I mean, I've had people, I've had this one lady preach against me one time, and she started like hitting the stick. She's like, he's, he's out there beating people with scriptures. This is actually, this is true. Yeah. She, she said this. She loved me last week until I talked about her sin. The next week she said I was beating up with the Bible. <laughs> Whatever. It is for that. Pray for him, baby. I'm gonna, I pray for him every single day still. I do pray for him every single oh day still. And I don't say this. I know we're joking and laughing, but it grieves me completely yeah, know, and totally right. from where they have fallen. Yes. 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 yes, yes, I know. And it says reproof. Yes. That's sometimes with that rod and that staff, right? That rod and that staff, they comfort me. That's not a good thing. Right. You ever seen what somebody did with a rod and a staff to a sheep? Yeah. Yeah, you ever, get, you, ever, you ever seen them? They got to smack them, right? Why is that hook on the end of that, of that? Because they grab them by the neck and yank them back. Praise God we have a father like that. Yes. So I'm going to tell you right now, if I didn't, I wouldn't be here. I'd be dead right now. Yes. If that rod and that staff hadn't yes. corrected me a couple thousand, five hundred million times. Yes. <laughs> Amen. And I mean, Amen. I'm, I'm understating the amount of correction. Yes. Amen. And it's what? For instruction in what? Righteousness. 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 That word that so many people hate. Where's righteousness? It's in his commandments. Where's righteousness? In his laws. What's righteousness? In his teaching. Even the ones that are hard to understand, hard to put into play. Even the one where Jesus says, for the faithful and the evil servant. What happened to the evil servant? He got cut in half. And he was cast out with the unbelievers. That That doesn't sound like my Jesus. That's because you have a different Jesus. The Jesus in the Bible teaches that. He loves you so much, he wants you to understand what life eternity with his Father is going to be like and what it's like. Just just a glimpse of what it's going to be like to go to hell. Jesus. Verse 17. And the man and woman, by the way, of God may be complete. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. So let me ask you a question. Every good work, correction, living righteously, doing the things that the Lord teaches comes from where? Jesus. His word. And I'm going to let you understand something. Everything here was breathed forth from Jesus. He was in the beginning with the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Nothing that was created was created without him, right? That means every single thing in here he spoke. You've got to love this as much as you love him. Because if you don't love this as much as you say you love him, you don't love him as much as you say you do. Amen. Amen. What? Let me ask any of you parents. Any of you parents. Your kids get 25 years old. They think they know everything, right? I know I did. I started when I was like 15, actually. 25 years old, right? And you tell them something. And and some of you have experiences, and I pray you never do, where your child cusses you up and down from what you say. What you say. Does that show that there's any respect and honor and love 
or the parent. No, they don't respect the word. They don't respect the parent. They don't honor the word. They don't honor the parent. That means if we can't do this, we don't honor and respect Jesus. Because this right here is his word. What comes out of this is how we need to live. We just read the scripture. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof. That's that correction with a little bit of hammer. For correction and for instruction in righteousness that the man or woman of God may be complete. Complete. Anybody here feel incomplete? If you want to feel complete, what does it say to do? Bless you. Get in the Word. Bless you. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. I want you to understand when he says, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. This remains. Yes. Am I on the right screen? No. No. Going backwards. <laughs> that you received and heard. Hold fast and repent. What's the thing that you received and heard first? The Word of God. My people perish for their lack of what? Knowledge. No knowledge of what? Knowledge of the Word. Now, why do you think churches are dying now? The same reason the Israelites were dying off in droves at that time is because the nation that he, the, the tribe that he put in charge of preaching the Word was manipulating and malforming it. I want you to understand what was happening at that time. They were doing the same thing they're doing now. They were manipulating the Word of God to fill up their pocketbooks. Amen. That's what they were doing. Because if I, I, can, I can preach a sugary message, believe me. I, I know how I am. I know who I am and I know how I was, okay? I can preach a, a sugar-coated message that could fill this church up. That could fill up Victoria. We'd have two g gigantic churches in Hallettesville, Victoria with a sugary message. But what honor would I be doing? I would be doing my own, That's not right. his. That's right. That's right. So we have the Word of God is the thing that we receive first and heard. We've got to hold fast to it and repent. Let's go to 1 John 2, 3 through 11. Here's, a, here's a, some verses that Amen. I don't think I've heard any preacher ever preach. Maybe, maybe passing by, maybe trying to manipulate it into saying something different, but nothing that is just straight up and honest and truthful. Amen. Now by this we know that we follow, we know him, if we keep his commandments. Mm -hmm. He's, he who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a what? <coughs> and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, Truly the love of God is perfected in him. That's agape love. That's not all the other kind of loves that the English love means. It's agape love. It means that our needs are supplied, not our wants. That means the things that we say to our friends and our family are in line with the word of God, whether they like it or not. Being prepared in season and out, inconvenient or convenient, is what he's talking about. Amen. Verse 6. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk as he walked. Who's that he in that? It's capitalized. Who's that? Jesus. That's Jesus. That means that we should walk like Jesus walks. Amen. Verse 7. Brethren, 
I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. What does it say? You have received and heard. Hold fast to it and repent. Now it says in the next, I want to, I want to explain this. It says, again, a new commandment I write to you. What he's saying is, here I am again saying this. He's not saying it's a new commandment. He's refreshing this old commandment. That word in the Greek, it can mean new, but it means he's bringing light to it again. He's refreshing it in their memory. I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother, that's a agape love, by the way, abides in the light. That's not putting up with your uncles and aunts. That's not putting up with what your dad said. You've got to go over there and listen to him cuss and scream and shout and doing all of those things. It's talking about loving that person with agape love, godly love. I can go to Romans chapter 1, verse 31. It says all of those things which people do and those that put up with them are as deserving of death as the person doing it. We can look at that as well. That's not what God's saying here right now. And there is no cause for stumbling in him. If you go in the room and you keep letting somebody stumble, do you really love them? No. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because... The darkness has blinded him. Guys, we have to understand, we have to have truth-centered messages. Amen. We have to have the expository messages that move the heart. Yes. I know some guys, I know a lot of people that are a million times smarter than I am. They, they have, they have 42,000 scriptures in memory. They have all those things, but it's in their head. It's not in their heart. It's got to be in our heart. Guys, I, I think I, I recommend what battle scriptures. We talked about that two weeks ago in Bible study. Having scriptures that you know by memory. I'm going to tell you why, because someday they're going to take this away from us. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you, to have those scriptures in your heart are so vitally important. Because in that moment, when everything comes out and just like, man, I feel alone, you've got the Word of God inside of you. Yes. We need truth-centered messages. Number four... Does the church encourage repentance? Does the church encourage repentance? A dead church encourages no repentance necessary. And there's a bunch of them out there. Again, like I said, Creflo Dollar earlier, Joseph Prince, Andrew Womack, um, what's his name, that other, the older gentleman, he doesn't preach anymore. That, uh, he's that Baptist preacher in Atlanta. All of those guys. In, his, in that guy's book that I'm talking about, I'll try Charles to think. Stanley, Charles Stanley. Yeah. Thank you very much. Charles Stanley says in his book. Page his, 93. Page 93. It says, even if you were a Christian and you denied Jesus, your seat in heaven is still guaranteed. What it says in this book. It's a lie. It's a lie from the enemy. Yeah. And people are eating it up every single day. Jesus. And Joseph Prince, he preached, I've seen his, his blogs misusing scriptures left and right. I've seen Andrew Womack teaching people. I know me might know everything about the Bible inside and outside, but when he teaches, 
that the church does not need repentance anymore because Jesus already took care of it. Once you get saved, you're good to go. Jesus says it eight times in the chapter 2 and chapter 3 of Revelation. Why would Jesus say to the church if we could just do away with it? Let's go to Luke 24, 46 through 49. Now, this is Jesus speaking himself. Amen. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled. Okay, I went to 44, I'm sorry. Fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. All these things had to happen. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. He opened up their understanding of what they might... What scriptures is he talking about? The New Testament or the Old Testament? Well, the New Testament wasn't there yet, so where was there? The Old Testament. He opened up their minds to the Old Testament. We got people out there preaching still that we don't need the Old Testament anymore. We're in a New Testament church. We don't need the Old Testament anymore. All those guys I mentioned before, except for one of them, says that. Says we don't need it. Why did Jesus open their minds to the scriptures of the Old Testament if they don't need it? Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. And you are the witness of these things. Behold, I sent the promise of my father, I sent the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Who's he saying is coming? Mm-hmm. That's the Holy Spirit. But I want you to go back to verse 47. It says his name to all nations. I want you to understand what Jesus is saying. All nations, every single, every single nation, including his chosen people, the Israelites, and all the Gentiles too. This same word, Paul refers to Gentile Christians with this word. So to say that we don't preach repentance, to say that we don't preach the remission of sin is against the word of God. Jesus says, go out and do it. That's what's causing a dead church. These people are away from talking about repentance. They're there in name alone. That is it. I know there's a lot of stuff here. And I appreciate you being patient. And I'm not going to cover a tremendous amount of this. I'm going to give you the antidote, as I promised here in just a moment. You have a few names even in Sardis who have not defiled their garment. There's a couple people there at the church that are still worshiping correctly and believing correctly, repenting and living for him and living righteously, right? I want you to see this. They shall walk with me in white for they are worthy. When did Adam walk with God? In the cool of the evening. If we want to do that again, we have to be worthy, right? How precious is that going to be for all eternity? We can walk with God in the cool of the evening. As long as we do what he says and live the way he says that we're supposed to live, we have that opportunity. Why? They walk with me in white, for they are worthy. 
There's that word overcomer again. Overcomers. That means to be steadfast till the end. That means to live out your faith, even on the mountain, even on the valley, even in the fire, even in the flood, to live it out, overcome. And I wanted to spend some time on this, but God really said this is not important, as important as you think it has been. It is important. I want you to understand that. I want to make sure I'm clear here. This is extremely important, but I wanted to go into it, and God didn't let me. I will not blot his name from the book of the life. From the book of life. If he can not blot your name out, that means he can also do what? Blot it out. He can also blot it out. So once saved, always saves out the window now, right? That's all I that's all he's allowed me to talk about now. I could go on all day about that one. And it says, Jesus says, I will confess his or her name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Question number five is, are the church gatherings marked by an atmosphere of spiritual or spiritual unresponsiveness? If you come into church and you leave the same way, I would say there's a spiritual unresponsiveness. If you come in the church and there's just no fire in the church, it's a dead church. Or it's potentially dying, as Jesus said. Now, the antidote. Last scripture. John 11, 33 through 44. You're going to wonder why this is the scripture. Amen. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, he saw Mary weeping, right? Yes. Mary and Martha, this is the story of Lazarus coming back to life. He's dead, right? He's been dead. The Jews came, who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. You don't think he's not troubled about the dead churches? And he said, where have you laid him? I can take him to about 15 places where they're laid. And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. The compassion of Christ came up inside of him, knowing that he was going to bring Lazarus back to life. But knowing at that time, feeling the emotions of that deadness that was in the church, he's weeping. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? How much does he love his bride? He loves us so much he went to the cross and suffered all of those things, hung there on the tree, three hours in the dark, pressed upon by the wrath of God. That's how much he loves the church. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? And Jesus again groaned in himself. He came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone laying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench for he's been dead for four days. What did, what did it say? 
when we are not doing his perfect works, there's a smell. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who were standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. He cried, he had compassion, and then he prayed. And then, now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out, bound hand and foot from grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. Jesus didn't stick around with Lazarus after that, right? He went to town. Many things were happening. But I want you to point, I want to point something out here. If we're going to save the dead churches around us, we've got to start mourning for them. We've got to start having the compassion of Christ inside of ourselves. And I understand a lot of the things that I've talked about, they may sound judgmental, but they're righteous judgment. These are the things that are going on. And if we don't understand these things, I'm going to tell you, you cannot combat a sin if you don't know what the sin is. And you try to fight, you try to fight a demon if you don't know who that demon is, right? If you have no discernment, if you have no knowledge of what the Word of God says, it's going to be, it's going to be very hard to have the righteous judgment, as Jesus says we should have, over these dead churches. We've got to cry. We gotta plead. We gotta get on our face. We gotta pray to God that God comes in, His Spirit comes in, and lights these churches back on fire. Yes. This world needs this. Yes. Amen. Man, the, the Antichrist is on. Man, he's just waiting to come on the stage. And guys, I'm going to tell you right now, we need as much Christian help as we can get in yes. the world today. Because yes. I'm going to tell you, it's going to get a lot worse. We need to be compassionate. We need to cry. Yes. We need to weep. We need to pray. We need to call out to God. We need to start professing his word because his word never returns void to him. Yes. Father God, go in them and set them on fire. Yes. Father God, let your spirit be felt in that church. Father God, and you don't have to go there because that's the last part of the armor of God. Your sword is as far as it goes, right? But prayer, the last part of the yes. armor, goes out further and changes things. And those things can be brought back to life. Hallelujah. We're not isolated here. We're not, we're not over here. We're not, well, we're the only saints that can be. No, we want them to come back. Yes. We want them to be raised from the dead. Yes. Do you have anything? We want to go from grave back to life. Yes. We want to do that. And there's only one way to do that is to have the compassion of Christ, to know what his word says. To lean on his word. Live righteously like he does. So when we see the splinter, we can pull it out of their eyes. Amen. I want you to profess with me something. We are a Mark 16, 15 through 18 church. We've done it over and over again. We've said this scripture. But today, if you truly believe if that's who you are, don't say it if you don't mean it. God takes you at his word. Yes. Mark 16 and... Y'all can, can pray with me at the end. 
In Mark 16, 15, it says, he says to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Come on. Every creature. Yes, Lord. That's anybody and everybody. And he who believes is baptized will be saved. And I don't know if you've got to get a cup of water and splash it in somebody's face at H-E-B, do it. <laughs> get them saved. Get them baptized. Let the transformation happen. Right? Let's do it. That's what we're called to do. Come on. But he who does not believe will be condemned. That's not for you. What does Jesus say? He says, knock the sand off your flip-flops and go on down the road. And he says, every town in Israel will be covered again. He'll send by somebody else. If they didn't want to hear it from you, they might want to hear it from somebody else. But plant that seed and water it today. Yes. But don't stick around. There's more work to do. Come on. And these signs will follow those who believe. And if you would, read this with me. In Jesus' name, I will cast out demons. I will speak with new tongues. I will take up serpents, and if I drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt me. I will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. All in Jesus' name. Guys, this is what dead churches need. Yes. That's what the world needs, but dead churches are of the world. I'm sorry, they're not, they're not Christians anymore. We need to go out there. We need to cast their demons out. We need to proclaim. We need to lay hands on those dead bodies and say, get up in the name of Jesus. Yes. God sitting here and talking about it is great. Laughing about a few of my funny jokes is great. But if we don't go out and do anything yes. about it, we are part of the problem as well. Amen. Amen. If you would, please bow your heads and close your eyes. Bluetooth. Connected. Father God, I just thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for everything that you continue to do in each and every one of our lives. Father God, I just ask that you open up and say, let he who has an ear, let him hear. Let us see the blessings that you put on our lives. Father God, let us see these things. As it grows our faith. And as we go out, Father God, put your word upon our hearts. Father God, I just say right now, if, it, if the word is in anybody's head right now, Holy Spirit, pull it down into their heart. This is a, this is a lifestyle. This is a 24-7, 365. Father God, every single person here was born with a purpose under heaven. You have an assignment for each one of us. And that's why it's so important to understand as the body of Christ, each one of us has a purpose. Father God, let us go out and be that purpose this week. Let us go out and be the hands and the feet. Father God, let us find those. Those that are dying. Let that smell drift up into our nose, Father God. Let your spirit, your Holy Spirit, bring that discernment to the front. So we can proclaim your word to all creatures and breathe life. The Ajionuma, the Ruach Halloween, breathe that life, that breath of God back into your body again, Father God. And I claim all of these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. The altar call. If you need prayer, if you need anointing, if you need prayer for healing. You know, somebody that needs healing, stand in the gap, as the Word of God says. We'll pray and anoint you. But more importantly, this is the time. If you, at any moment, felt like something 
something, the plank is in your eye and you need it removed. Now's the time to give it to him because I'm going to tell you right now, he's wanting that. He wants the plank removed. He wants it removed so we can go out and be the church that he's called us to be. The body of Christ, the bride, the white virgin bride, the chaste bride. So the altar is now open.
stretch her hands for towards Emily as we just lift her up some things that she's going forth and, and we know that God is a God who can do all things and I'm just going to pray over her so Father God Lord in the name of Jesus I speak your knowledge I speak your wisdom Holy Spirit bring back Father God you know with you, Father. 